your legacy lies in the last person that knows your name. Um, you know, and so what I really want to do and establish is um, two very different types of legacies. I have the legacy that I want to establish in my children mm. so that, you know, I was really blessed to have really good parents growing up. My wife was blessed to have good parents too. Um, and that's a, that's a real big fortune for a lot of people because a lot of people don't have that. Mm. But what I've always wanted to establish is um, take all the really good things that I got from my parents and infuse the things that I felt could be even stronger yep. for my kids. Welcome everybody to the Automan podcast. I'm no Justin, no peace, AKA Justin Brandon. And I'm sitting here today with um, Thomas White of TMW Realty, correct? That's correct. That's correct. Give us a quick bio if you tell us what what does TMW Realty do? So uh, TMW Realty is is the brainchild of uh, myself and my wife. We started this company, um, wow, uh, has to be about maybe five years ago. Uh, uh-huh. But I've been doing real estate for a little over 10, 10 to 12 years Um Basically, we've, we've branched out from being just a real estate group that deals with buying, selling, leasing okay. homes. Uh, we flip homes now under TMW Realty Investors. Okay. Uh, we're, we're moving a lot into the uh, commercial streams now. We're, we're just an all-around, one-stop shop real estate company. Wow. That's great. So you're, you're perfect for this conversation. Um, so where I want to I take this conversation into three pillars. I want to talk about real estate. I want mm-hmm. to talk about you as a business owner and um, give um, some information for some of our viewers that may be looking into starting their own business and um, yourself as a man of faith. I know you personally, so I know that's a part of your life. But um, you start as a real estate agent, and mm-hmm. there are, especially in this era, there are a ton of apps out like um, realtor.com there are all these different things that are enticing for a person to go into this journey of buying a home on their own Mm -hmm. um what would you say to everybody about the necessity or the benefit of going with a real estate agent as opposed to using one of these apps i think i think in this age of digital um perfection if you will everyone's using all of these streams and that's fine but you can't replace a real estate agent or broker. I think it's essential, especially a good one. Mm. Um, I know there's a lot of people out here who, who try to create side hustles and people who are trying to do this, that, and the other, and that's fine. Yep. Uh, but if you're really trying to get the full scope of the benefit of what you're doing when you're buying a home, you really need an actual capable broker. Um, there's so much that goes into buying a home that I don't think people really recognize yep. that you can't get through an app alone. I mean, oftentimes, you know, someone will go on Zillow and they'll look for a house and the house will say, hey, look, you know, go buy this house for 400000 and you have no idea the parameters that go into that purchase. Mm. You know, how is it going to look for you in, in 10 years? What's this going to look like? What's that going to look like? Are there any um, uh, negative catches in that process? <clears throat> is Zillow overvaluing the property? Mm. Um, all these things happen that people yes. don't really recognize and the market is very different everywhere you go absolutely uh, just with one of my clients out in uh quincy we were looking at a house um the house was valued at 378 um right now the house is going off the market at 395 mm. because it, it markets change and markets are different and yes. you can't rely on you know uh, arbitrary machines to tell you hey look this is the right way to go you need to have someone <clears throat> that actually knows the process mm. um, and that's why you should have a good realtor that sounds great and um i mean in my experience Everybody, I think, I think you start out with looking in these apps, but to have someone to walk with you through this journey is very, exactly. very important. Um, so when should I contact an agent? I think, I think honestly, you know, people might sound, it might sound crazy, but I think everybody should contact an agent the moment they're very, they're serious about buying a home. Mm. I'm not talking about serious about a particular home, but just the idea of buying a home. So for example, um, if you decide you know, during this COVID quarantine mm-hmm. that you're sick of living in this apartment building, you no longer want to live here and you're ready to go ahead and buy a home, that's the time that you should call an agent and set up that, that process. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of people suffer from lack of information until they wait until the very moment that they're ready to actually go buy a house. Mm-hmm. You could fix so many things if you had someone with you from the moment you decided to make this plan. Um, Think of it this way. 
you don't go to a gym and wait until you get fit to then go and get a trainer. You go and get your trainer at the beginning and learn the tips so that you can get to your goal a lot quicker. So Perfect. That makes sense. So now there are going to be some people who have never been in the experience before. And they, yeah. could you just take us through the process of buying a home? Like just, yeah. just the steps. What did, what does it look like? Okay. So, um, we found something. Mm-hmm. You're representing us as an agent. What is our next step? What does that look like? So, well, or for me, my, my steps with someone's very different than um, some other agents. The first thing that I do with any client is we have a sit down with the team. Mm. Uh, so my team consists of the lender, the, um, the attorney that's going to work with you, um, and all the pieces that actually make up your real estate process. Mm. The first thing we do is make sure that you're fit to purchase. And what that means is everybody wants to go out and see a house. I, I Back in the day when I started this business, you know, if you called me and said, hey, look, I want to go see a house, we just go running out to see a house immediately. Yeah. I don't do that. What we do now is, are you credit worthy to receive a house? Are you able to do this? If we did like this house when we went to see it, we'll be able to close on it in 30 to 45 days. Mm. If we can't say yes to those things, then we don't know, need to go and see the house. Yep. If we don't know where your numbers fall, you know, we don't go and see a house. Yeah. And the reason for that is, I've had clients who've said to me, hey, man, I want to go and I love this house. It's $800,000. And you know you can't buy it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know where your numbers are. You know what that mortgage would look like. Yeah. Um, even even houses that are four and 500000 you may not be in the position to um, assume that type of uh, debt. Yeah. So because you're not in that position, we don't need to go and see all of these different things. We need to get you prepared. So before we go out and do anything, we have the powwow meeting after the powwow meeting yeah. and we know where your numbers are and we know where things are then we set up a game plan for what you're looking for um you'd be surprised how many people think they're looking for a particular thing mm. and then get out and see a couple of houses and it completely changes um when i first went to buy my own house i wasn't looking to live in the area that i'm living in now i was yeah. looking to live in a total different community further out but then as you begin to check things out and see what you like you, you begin to adjust. Yeah. So all of it really starts with, hey, look, the powwow meeting, then we know what you're looking for and get an idea of where you are. And then we start going into the general process of purchasing the home. Once we get into that purchase process um, for the home, that's a 30 to 45 day hit. Yeah. And, and that's really standard for most people. So, yeah. Um, yeah. It's something that you said, um, you know, your your ideas of what you're interested in a home changes. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of people are looking for that perfect home. Well, you, you hear the process of, you know, starter home or, you know, uh, yep. the forever home. But is there a perfect home? Do people ever really find a perfect home? You know, I think I think people find homes that are perfect for them at the point that they're at in their lives. Mm. I mean, realistically, uh, if you look at the data, the data actually says that most people um, shift homes every seven to 10 years. Mm. Um, and the reason for that is considered, you may have bought a home. You know, when I bought my first home, I was, you know, late, late Mm twenties, bought my first home and, you know, years later and kids later, you know, you find, okay, maybe my home's not big enough for what I need, or maybe Mm -hmm. I need to shift or when my community's changed. Um, so things change and and you shift and go forward into a different spectrum of a home. So I would say that, yes, there is a perfect home, but it's a perfect home for a, a specific season of your life. Yeah. Uh, and when that season changes, then there's need to, to shift up and go somewhere else. In the process, I realized that it's important not to sweat the small stuff, like, you know, um, color of paint, uh, yeah. because those things yeah. could be changed, you know, it, it's so simple, you know, the color of the door, you know, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. can even change floors, like all of those things, you know, but it's important that you have the rooms that you need at that moment, mm-hmm. you know, the, mm-hmm. the bathrooms that you need at that moment, you know, anything mm-hmm. for your particular lifestyle, you know, cause there's a lot of things that you, you could just add on. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I, it, there, like I agree with you there there's probably no perfect home perfect for you at the time and I think that people need to understand that you know um one thing that we did when we were when we were looking into buying a home I had wrote a list of um the things that we were interested in there were a list yep. of like you know of things that 
sure i would want this you know but then there were the the most important things you know which would be you know the the amount of bedrooms um the amount yeah. of bathrooms and those things and we basically got everything that we wanted on that list except for a garage but then you realize you know as long as i have you know a nice driveway i don't need a garage so you 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 make there's a balance and you have to you have to adjust to see what you really want to go after i mean when when i purchased one of the the formative things for me was, okay, I need to have land um, because I expected to have kids and I mm. wanted to make sure that I had a good amount of space for the kids to play. You know, I needed to have a garage. I, I couldn't deal with, you know, snow on my car, you know, Boston lifestyle anymore. So I said, forget that. Um, so, you know, I, I really focused on certain things, but when we bought this house, it wasn't what it is now. I mean, I can tell you right now in my home, um, it was wall to wall carpet. We don't have that at all anymore. Mm. We've renovated the kitchens. We've done a whole bunch of things. Yep. So really, you have to know yourself and what you like and don't like. Um, if you're an extrovert and you have lots of friends and you like to have you know social gatherings, yeah. maybe you need space in certain areas of the house that you know maybe someone who's more introverted and doesn't get out that much doesn't need that much space. Yep. Um, if you're an entertainer or if you if you need a space that you can kind of crash and like man cave your life, yep. um, you know you have to make sure you have those type of things. But it really depends on the person. Um, so that's why we say perfect homes are for, you know, people, specific times, specific seasons and lives. Perfect. Um, we're in a particular time. And I believe like, you know, if you were maybe like two months ago and you were like, you know, I think I'm gonna purchase a home. And then maybe now you're feeling kind of <laughs> shaky. I mean, should they feel shaky? Is this a good time to purchase a home? Um, is it a bad time to purchase a home? Should they pause? Should they keep going? What would you say? Well, to be honest with you, this is actually the most aggressive real estate time that, that's been here um, in, in, I would say months. I think COVID-19 has actually created even more of a pandemic for purchasing mm. uh, than it was uh, prior to it. Uh, and I think the reason why is this, you know, this is, this is a massive change for everybody. I mean, Huge. we all know life as we've known it has changed and will stay changed. It's not going to go back to it exactly the way it was before. Yeah. But <clears throat> what I've seen with my clients and, and people I've taken out for showings and things like that, houses are going fast mm. they're not slow they're not they're not lagging on the market i mean you can go and see a house today it'll be off the market tomorrow mm. um there are bidding wars on every house that's out there and i think the reason why is the people who are looking now um have the time to look yes um, maybe we're in position prior to yes um, so there's really no delay in the, the ability to purchase yes. a home so yes. is it a good time to buy a home um if you're still gainfully employed or at least you haven't been um, completely decimated by by the market. Yes, this is actually a great time to purchase because mm. there are still major deals to be had um, in certain areas. Boston, in particular, um, understand this is not the 2008 housing crisis. Yeah, this is this is a health crisis, but it's yeah. not a housing crisis. Yeah, we're not there. So houses are still viable. The market is still strong. Yep. you know, houses are still selling for astronomical prices. If you can afford to purchase a home. You know, this is still a good time to purchase a home. I think the selectivity is a little stronger now for buyers because, hey, look, we're all home. We're all seeing these things on the market. And yep. We all know what we want. So it's still a great time to buy or sell, to be honest. Perfect. So people should, you know, have a, a, a good outlook if they were already in the process or thinking about being Absolutely. in the process. Um, you brought up 2008, and I think that's... um. A lot of people's insecurity, especially like movies like Big Short that brought it to light, what actually happened mm -hmm. in that in in that world, and um, we're not there. We're obviously, we're not there. This is this is a a serious health crisis, which is very serious. But um, I'm pretty sure a lot of people are trying to move out of apartments anyway. Nobody wants to be on top and right next to each other either. Um, so uh, interest rates. Are they down? Stock prices are, are looking crazy. Everybody's like, buy, 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 buy. What about well, the interest rates? This is, interest rates are actually very low. Um, and they were actually low prior to COVID's um, mm. uh, situation. So it's not terrible. Um, you know, we're actually doing a, a, a seminar uh, online, Facebook Live seminar tomorrow mm. uh, about the market and, and buying and selling uh, with TMW. But 
the market's not bad and neither is the interest rates. The interest rates are actually really, really good. Um, when I bought my home, I think my interest rate was like 3.99. Mm-hmm. And this is the time that you're actually seeing those type of numbers return uh, with force. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, it all depends on your, your credit worthiness. But yeah. if, you're, if you're credit worthy, this is a great time uh, to chase after getting that loan and getting it locked in. So. Yeah. Perfect. All right. So, uh, I mean, as we're, uh, the people that are interested in purchasing a house, what, what would you say is their first step? I'm interested <clears throat> in person that's purchasing a house. I was on Zillow. I seen mm-hmm. something I like. <laughs> what should I do? Where do I go? You know, I, 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 nobody in my family has ever owned a home before. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what does this process look like for me? What's my next step? All right. So the next step is, okay, you've seen a house that you like. We see what your numbers are. Let's get you pre-approved. Hmm. Let's get you pre-approved. First step, first and foremost, pre-approval. Banker broker. Then, banker broker. Yeah. Banker broker, you said? Yeah. Do I go to my bank or should I go to um, a, a broker, mortgage broker? If you come if you come to, um, if you go to a bank, you're fine. If you go to a specific um, lending broker, you're still fine. I mean, we work with banks and brokers. Okay. Um, it's, it's okay either which way you go, but you need to get pre-approved. Yeah. Um, it depends. And obviously sometimes working with a broker might be a little bit easier because you might get that one-on-one personal care that you may need. Um, we work with a great group of people. Um, First home mortgage, um, Dave Licardi, who's a good friend of mine, uh, as a broker, he, he, he's just on it. I mean, you can call him at one, two, three in the morning. Um, and you can get your information done. I know you're going to hate me for saying that, but one, two, three in the morning, <laughs> easily you can call him and get, get your own, get your pre-approvals in. Yeah. Um, but you really want to go and get your pre-approval. That's the first step. Whether you go from a bank, a credit union, or an individual broker, separate group, you want to get that pre-approval. Once that pre-approval is in hand, um, you need to call your real estate broker immediately. Like, mm-hmm. okay, this is, this is my game plan. This is what I want to do. Um, most people don't understand. You can be pre-approved for a $500,000 home. But there, there are four stages of payments that you have to do into the process of buying that home. You know, you have that first $1,000 initial deposit. Yep. That, that's the conventional thing that most people do. Um, then you have that P&S payment. That's right. You know, and that P&S payment, if you're, if you're paying 3.5% or 5% or 20%, the bulk of that payment comes at that, that stage, that P&S payment, which is usually two weeks after you've gotten an agreed offer. Then after that, um, you know, obviously you have the inspection fees that come in. That's yep. good 500, 600 bucks. I'm sure you remember yep. the inspection. Mm-hmm. And then after that, you have your closing costs, which are about one to 3% of your loan. That's right. So there's money hitting you um, solidly for about 30 days. Yes. And most times what happens is uh, people will come and say, hey, look, I'm ready to buy a house. I'm pre-approved. And then they get hit with that thousand dollars and fine. And then when that three and a half or 5% fee is due in about two weeks, they're stuck in the water. They don't know what to do. They, I didn't know I had to pay this amount of money. I didn't know I had to pay these closing costs. Yeah. I didn't know. So you need to have your money ready, but yes. you need to have a game plan at the beginning before you can get into all that. Absolutely. Um, it saves a lot of people the headaches and, and the frustration of the 30-day process. Because yep. usually about day 15, people are losing their minds as they're, they're purchasing a home. So There's a lot of signing some... papers, a lot of signing papers, a lot of money. Yeah, about. I mean, you know, by the time you get to the closing, and you're sitting at that table signing 25 to 40 pages of your life away to yep. this property. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you're losing your mind. Yep. So having someone that can kind of give you that heads up in advance yes. um, really, really helps. Um, for example, we have a client right now um, that, you know, she wants to buy a house in a very hot market. Um, we're working with her. We're trying to get everything done. She's put in two offers well above our asking price and both been denied because the market is so hot people are paying you more than what she's offering wow. um, but what we did now is we said okay this is what your your timetable is going to look like this is what you need to have in place and we're actually working her situation so that if she did get an, uh, an agreed on offer today we know hey look we can close your house on the fifth if mm. we had an offer yep. set up and done today so there's no lag time for you yeah uh, so we can make it more appealing to a potential seller uh, so this is the kind of stuff that you need a broker for to kind of navigate through all those crazy pieces um, and really make it work. Yeah. Lawyers. Do I need a lawyer? I would say yes. Mm. Um, <clears throat> some people, some people's convention is that, hey, look, you know, the bank is going to take care of me. 
the bank is not taking care of you. The bank is taking care of themselves. Uh, and the bank's goal is to make sure that the bank's interest in that home yep. is preserved. You want to make sure that you have an attorney that will support you and at least help you to make sure that everything is fair for not just for you against the seller, but yes. you against the terms that are in the bank. That's right. Um, in the time, is, the time that you yeah. have to do everything. Exactly. I mean, the, the timetable for things, you know, hey, um, you know, banks are very aggressive with their mortgage payments, obviously, and they should be. Mm-hmm. Um, say you get into an arrears and you can't pay your bill. What does that look like? How yep. does that look? What is the terminology for your for your arrangements? Yeah. Um, you know, in worst case scenarios where you have um, maybe a hard lender um, gave you the money, or maybe you did it with um, a, a less than savory bank, a less mm-hmm. than conventional bank, you want to make sure that you have someone that's actually advocating for you yes. in the details of the 40 pages that you're signing your life away yep. on. Uh, so definitely, I would say an attorney is necessary. We had an attorney when we purchased... Um... Well, my job, they had, um, I was able to use that at like a group legal. And then um, mm-hmm. the attorney was able to represent us and walk us through the PNS process, which is like, you know, it's totally different when you put in that offer because that one sheet is very easy and simple. Very easy. But that PNS process is definitely different. And especially mm-hmm. if you want to make sure that certain things are there when they're mm-hmm. supposed to be there. Even when we purchased this home, um, everything was in there. We were supposed to have, um, a washer and dryer that was in the PNS, but um, later down the line, when we were going through the purchase process, they wanted to um, keep the washer and dryer. It was already in the PNS. We didn't make a big deal out of it. We ended mm-hmm. up just buying a new washer and dryer. But it's important, especially because you can come in and there's no refrigerator. You know what I mean? And there was a refrigerator there, and you're not prepared for those two, three thousand dollars. And you know, mm-hmm. so you got to make sure that there's a person who's representing you, putting in every detail for you. Absolutely. I remember um, a couple of years ago, I was um, working with a client who was selling their, uh, uh, you know, one of those sprawling houses in Dorchester, um, one of those huge, you know, 5,000 square foot homes in Dorchester. And we were selling it uh, and she, you know, the seller was like, okay, these are the parameters of what I want. They had no attorney. Mm -hmm. And she said, well, that's fine. I remember going there the day before the closing and seeing her taking down all the chandeliers in the house, taking down all of the different pieces. I asked her, what are you doing? She's like, well, you know, I know that he said he wanted these things, but, you know, it wasn't specified in this way. And wow. so I have a right to do what I want to do. And yeah. Just a mess. Just a hot mess. You can't always so trust you, that people are going to do the right thing. You, you can't. You can't. And this is why you have attorneys. This is why you need yep. um, legal representation. And you don't have all the answers. I mean, you know, a lot of people think that this is like, uh, you know, they watch HGTV. They, yeah. they watch all these different shows and think that this is what you do. Three houses and I'm going to pick one. Yeah, no, that's, that's not, you know, I'm a butterfly farmer and, you know, she's a homemaker and we have a million dollar approval. We're going to go buy this house and it's just, hey, look, it's all done. Yep. That's not how this works. There's a lot of legal, legality to this. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you do this and you don't do this and this is the response that I can have to this and I can take you to court. You know, you can agree to sell your house to me today and say, no, I don't want to do it anymore. I have a right to take you to court and, right. and go to the full gamut. Um, for my rights that you violated. So yep. people have to be very careful of what they're doing. Yep. That's why you definitely need to return. It's a serious yeah. agreement, but it's, 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 it's great at that end of that process. Once you finish signing that last piece of paper yes, and they sir. hand you over those keys and they say, this mm-hmm. is yours. I mean, yours mm-hmm. and the banks, but this is yours. This is yours. This is yours. As long as you keep the, the agreement as as you, you do with the bank, it's yours. That's right. That's I right. Mean, you know, and and that's, the, that's the part that I actually love the most in the process. I mean, you know, when I'm working the process with any client, it, I'm really focused on getting the things that we agreed to when we started. Like, okay, you want these particular things. This is what you're looking for. I'm advocating for you all the way through the process. So even if you never hear me talk to you about some of the, the back room situations that are happening, yeah, you know, I'm literally constantly in, in contact with different groups trying to make sure that this works out for you. Yeah. And then when we close, you know, it's celebration time. I mean, you know, our company has been blessed to be able to give people things that are really surprising and exciting. Um, we sent, I think when Beyonce came to, uh, uh, what was it, Foxborough Stadium mm-hmm. uh, a couple of years ago, we sent um, one of our clients two tickets front row to Beyonce, the Beyonce concert. Uh, you know, they had a blast. They thought that was the greatest thing in the world. Um, we've given people, you know, $150 tickets to Ruth Chris 
steakhouse and different things just to celebrate yeah. the idea of you closing this deal and going in this direction. Yes. Um, hopefully that you'll love for years to come. Uh, and then after it's all done, we obviously stay with you for a season to make sure that, hey, look, you know, you're acclimated to this. Yeah. You know when your trash day is, you know, when your first tax bill is supposed to happen, what's happening with that, you know, and, and then, you know, eventually push you on to, to happy trails with your real estate. Uh, unless you need something from us after the fact. Trash could be different. Trash could be different. When I was in Boston, you put anything yeah. out there and they take it. <laughs> Over here, yeah. you got to have a certain, put it in this yeah. container. You got to pay for additional yeah. bags. There's all kinds that's, of rules. That's a certain way. Yeah. And people don't know that about their areas. I mean, there's so much different in different areas that you need someone who knows the, the in and outs of it. So, yeah. And who also cares to um, take you through that process. Cause not, not every agent is going to do it right. So it's very important that you find the right ones and you go with people that you can trust like TMW realty. Thank you, sir. That's the truth. That's the truth. <laughs> but um, I, and, and I want to speak to that because um, I want to transition into um, you were speaking to what you did for your clients and mm-hmm. and um, you know the uh, the appreciation that you showed them for patronizing your business by mm-hmm. um giving them a token. Um, so I want to talk to you about um being a business owner. Um, mm-hmm. one, I want to start with because I personally know this is not something you have been doing this. Um, your whole life this mm-hmm. is you transition from a nine to five mm-hmm. to being a business owner and I want to know mm-hmm. more about that process because I believe mm-hmm. there's some people out there who 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 want to transition into either a real estate agent or just in general moving from a nine to five job into um, owning their own business and operating their own company so what was mm-hmm. that process like for you so, you know, I, I had a good job prior to coming over to doing my own business. And it's actually it's actually the scariest thing in the world to shift from the security of a nine to five mm-hmm. to the um, the world of entrepreneurship. I mean, most people think this is some grand, you know, we escape this and live in the yep. life and do whatever you want. You actually work more in the entrepreneur re- arena than you did in the nine to five. Mm-hmm. Uh, so with me, I was working for the city of Boston um, doing a nine to five. Um, but my job was real estate related. I was actually dealing with the valuation of all the condos and Boston. Mm. So, you know, you have 144,000 condos that you're dealing with. You go and inspect, you go and get the valuations and you look at it. Um, and I've always believed in the idea of being my own owner of a business. I think that the whole focus of it is legacy, building something from scratch, you know, putting my creative hand to something that I think would help and also help people. Um, And so we shifted out of uh, uh, the job over time. Um, I got a part-time real estate license. um, And if you know anything about Boston, you can't do real estate in Boston if you are uh, working for the city of Boston. Really? Uh, And so, yeah, I couldn't sell in Boston while um, being a a real estate agent. So what I had to do was take all of my um, influence and moving into the outs, outliers, like, you know, the Stoughton's, the Randolph's, the, yep. all the outliers of Boston, which is very difficult if you live in Boston to mm-hmm. shift that way. Um, but what I realized is, you know, I committed a certain amount of time for work nine to five. Yeah. And then from six to 2 a.m. in the morning each mm-hmm. night, I go, went to my second job, which was doing this company and yep. really starting to build uh, the reputation, build the understanding, build uh, you know, the, the processes of how to do this business well. You know, everything starts with foundation. Mm. And I think a lot of people want to do um, entrepreneurial careers or they want to start businesses, but don't create the foundation. Mm. You can't try to be um, the top state company in the city of Boston or in Massachusetts without first creating the foundations of how that's done. And you have to watch good people. Um, you know, I was blessed to be part of a, a good real estate company that I still love and respect. Uh, my friend Robert Nichols from Boston Trust Realty Group um, to have a good mentor to kind of show you the ropes and give you an understanding of what to do. And I did ride alongs with him and watched how he did real estate and took the, the things that I thought would work toward me and, and what I do. And then really began to build a system and that system built processes and that process then built an understanding of how to win. Um, and so, you know, I think in my second year, I sold like 13 homes um, and then, you know, began to realize that, hey, look, I'm making more money in my real estate at the outliers than I am doing my nine to five. 
Uh, and so then, you know, I think in my second or third, my third year, just before I got my real estate broker's license, um, I shifted out of uh, working for the city. Uh, and that was scary, man. I, yeah. I, I will not lie. I think one of the scariest moments was um, giving my resignation and then realizing that you have to rely on only what you do to make this work. Yeah, you gotta uh, eat what you kill. It, it, it's, it's scary. And, you know, it's not something that you can, um, you can't BS your way through the process of uh, doing what you're doing in your business. Mm. Um, I think the major foundation is always, it always lies in having the integrity to do it right for every single client. Mm. And I don't think people understand that concept that, you know, I'm not just doing you right because um, I want to get money from you. That's not the goal. I'm doing you right because of the legacy of doing right that carries on past you. People don't carry good about your name um, as easily as they carry negative. Um, People will always take the negatives of what you didn't do right versus the good things that you did do right. Um, And so I always try to make sure that I give people the greatest experience, even if it was in detriment to myself. I mean, there were, you know, I think that second year of, of being full time, we lost money like crazy trying to make sure that people um, were actually more benefited than we were benefited as a company. Mm. Um, but over time, people realized, hey, you know, this company goes above and beyond for me. Um, and that led to now people being able to follow the foundations of what we've done, which is why we have all the agents that work with us now and are able to continue to build and are moving into flips and commercial because we're constantly pushing to um, keep that foundation right. Um, you can build anything on a good foundation, mm. um, but you have to build it right from the start. And how many agents do you have now? So now we're working with seven agents, which is which is excellent. Mm-hmm. Um, we're planning on on expanding that. Um, one someone used to ask me, well, well, do you want to have fifty agents or thousand agents? That's all great, but there are a lot of people who are agents that aren't agents. And when I say agents, they they're just they're just bodies that you that you have on paper to show yep. that you that you have this roster of people. Yeah. But they've never sold a house. They've mm-hmm. never dealt with a, a client. They've never done anything. And I really don't aspire to that. So you know, I even interview my agents before they even come on the team. Like we have to have a sit down conversation. We go mm. through what your plan is, what your goal is. Do you match the tenor of what we're trying to do? Can you do what we're trying to do? Because we want you to succeed. And in your success, we want you to do it in a way that will not only build a good brand for you, but a good brand for what we're doing. And if you don't match that, <laughs> then you can't be part of this team mm. because we don't want to bring in someone who's going to cause uh, our team to now look terrible um, as it relates to the type of things that we do. Um, we, don't she- we don't shortchange people. We don't um, try to shift people or be shifty or shady. Yeah, where we definitively try to make sure that people get the very best service from beginning to end. And if you have people who are kind of, you know, wheeling and dealing and, and lying to their clientele yeah. or not doing what they're supposed to do, that's not the type of thing that we want. So a lot of people who say they want to come over, they go through a process to make sure that they're actually qualified to be over. Yeah. Uh, and it takes time. <laughs> you know, hiring is intimidating to me. It's something, um, I'm in the process. I want to build um, a business and I I will have to hire a bunch of people. But um, what is your process for hiring? Like, do you have like a list of questions that you ask? Is it a feel that you're looking for? What is it that you're looking to do when you're building your team? Some of it, some of it's feel, some of it's more the conversation of what they're doing. And then the next portion of it is what you do when you come along. You know, I usually take people along with me. Um, I love to interview people when I'm doing an open house or mm. when I'm doing um, a client meetup. Uh, you know, if I'm doing a, a presentation, a listing presentation, I love bringing on agents at that point to see how they react to the, the on-site moment of dealing with a client. Yeah. Um, you know, and what they hear, what they thought, how they felt, what they're trying to do. Uh, a lot of agents come on from, you know, we've had maybe two agents come on from uh, old companies who were upset because they didn't get enough training or they didn't get enough, you know, one-on-one time. Um, and just hearing how and what they're trying to accomplish and where they're trying to go. And if it fits the general tenor of what we're doing, that's how we usually try to hire. Um, and everybody that I've brought on, you know, it, I, I guess it is a feel, 
they have the same, uh, I don't want to say spirit, but they have the same vibe that I have toward the business. Yep. Um, so it, it, that vibe is, is essential. I mean, if people don't vibe with you, if I wouldn't take you and want to hang out with you or present you to people that, that I care about or show you to someone that, that um, is business important to me, you know, maybe you don't fit that vibe. Yeah. Um, you know, and every company is different. Um, I know of some companies that, you know, they have different types of people and, and that's fine. But I want people who have that integrity and have that vibe for what we're going after, and are consistent. You know, if you're telling, me, if your clients are starting to tell me, "Hey, look, I haven't gotten a phone call back from him or her for three days," that's that's not how we do this. Yep. I mean, you know, I was in Europe <laughs> two years ago. I was in Europe when a client was calling me six-hour time difference. You know, I was taking my wife uh, to Paris and we were doing our thing. And I was on the phone with my client having the conversation over in Europe, yeah. trying to make her, her situations work for her yeah. in Boston. So, you know, that type of dedication is what we look for. And, and that's how we try to hire. And I know my wife didn't appreciate that, but, <laughs> <laughs> but it was what it was. <laughs> she was mad all day. <laughs> so when you became an agent, was it always a plan for you to build um, your own brokerage? Was this a part yeah. of? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I've always believed. Um, first, I, I first have to say that you know the agency that I was in, uh, Boston Trust, BTRG was absolutely amazing. I mean, you know, Robert Nichols, I've known him since I was uh, we were in elementary school. Oh wow! Uh, so you know, again, good vibe, yeah. great guy, good solid person love him to death um but i've always wanted to own my own yeah um because of what i want to build i've never looked at my company as just the one an offset of just real estate i've mm. always looked at it as there are multiple layers to what we're going to build yeah um, which is why it's under the umbrella of tmw enterprises yeah. it's it's to build bigger things yeah. um you know we have portfolio any any business book that you look at will talk about your portfolio what do you have going on? I mean, yeah. you know, there are properties that we own. There are things that we're trying to do there. There are enterprises that we're trying to build upon. And so to do that, you have to have an entity of your own to establish those branch off pieces. Um, and so what we've established is building and perfecting real estate so that we can now branch off and do the other things that we really want to do yep. um, on top of real estate. Uh, you know, I think people people are too quick to pigeonhole people into one specific aisle for who they are. Uh -huh. um, and my goal is always to be as dynamic as I possibly can be and do as much as I can do um, to fulfill every area that I think my life should be um, branching off into. Do you goal set? Do you write down your goals? Absolutely. Um, you know, it, it's funny. Um, we I've always been a goal setter. Um, and, and my wife and I have always been goal setters. We always are pushing to, um, you know, complete the, the greatest amount of things in a certain amount of time. Mm. Um, so we do have goals for, you know, this year obviously has been decimated by COVID, but we do yeah. have goals that we've set even for this year in the midst of everything that's going on to yeah. become uh, and go where we're trying to go. So yeah. yeah, goal setting is essential. I mean, what are you trying to do in five years? Where do you want this business to go? Yeah. What do you want to see this business become? How do you want it to become what it's going to become? What is it going to take to get there? Who do you need to incorporate in your team to make that happen? Mm. All of that's what, what makes a business really thrive. And so, you know, we spend a lot of time kind of seeing, okay, where are we trying to go with this? You know, every advertisement, every, um, every discussion, every group meeting, every um, brand awareness. You know, we used to be wearing TMW hats all the time. Then it was TMW shirts. Then it was, you know, we, we do all these things. Why are we doing this? What are yeah. we trying to become? Um, what do we want the brand to be known for? And, and where is this going to be in five years? Um, are we going to branch off and have second locations or third locations? Yeah. Or what, what are we doing? Um, so yeah, it's important to goal set. Reading. You do a lot of reading? <laughs> yes, I think COVID has actually helped that that process too. Um, right now, I'm reading a book surrounded by idiots, and it sounds like a crazy book, um, but it really talks about the types of people that you deal with. 
Um, in my type of business, you're dealing with people all the time yeah. um, and understanding what the, the psychosis is of people helps you to be able to tolerate and deal with what they're going to be bringing to you. Some people are red people. Some people are blue people. Some people are yellow people. Um, some people are green people and they all have different um, triggers and, and reasonings to mm. why they do what they do. Um, so, you know, it's important to read and to kind of expand your mind beyond um the generalities of what you normally deal with yeah. um so if you're out there and you're listening for a book to read surrounded by idiots would probably be the best book you could possibly read right now um on learning how to deal with people because uh, that that's 90 percent of what you need in uh, in marketing or real estate or anything that's people related that's beautiful i um i do on audiobooks you do audiobooks also i've been doing a lot of audiobooks lately I, I actually do paper, paperback okay. books, like, you know, flip the page. Yep. Um, you know, one of the hardest things to do is to find time to read. You know, I've got uh -huh. three children all under six. I mean, you understand my plight because oh, you know, yeah. you're, you're over there with your, your, your team. Yep. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, you're dealing with a bunch of small children. So it makes it really difficult to find the time uh, to read amidst trying to find the time to be a good husband, trying to find the time to, uh, to run your business. Um, so paperback really works for me because, you know, hey, look, if I have a 300 page book, there are 30 days in a month. I know I got to read 10 pages a day. Yeah. I can break that up to, you know, five and five or two, 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 you know, yeah. and make it really work out for me to have a system to, to get that book done. Mm. Um, but it, it really helps. I mean, paperback is, is my way. I mean, I know some people who have far drives to take if you're driving into the city or if you're, you're coming out of the South Shore and you're going into downtown Boston, maybe you want to, you know, get an audio book is easier for you that hour commute um back and forth yep. uh but for me paper is the way to go perfect um how do you organize your day <laughs> my day organizes me okay <laughs> listen it you know certain days certain days are um set up by what's going on in my general family so for example my wife's a nurse practitioner um you know, this COVID situation is crazy for her. Yeah. So I base on that. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's tough. So whatever she's doing, whatever her schedule is, is the first layer that's cut off for the time because, you know, in the absence of schools and the absence of um, places for my children to go, yeah. <laughs> uh, if she's not present, yeah. um, then I have to be present. And so that now shifts things to, okay, on these days, these particular days that she has to be on site uh, for the hospital, I have to now prepare to deal with the three children. And then on those alternative days when she's not, those are my main days to now either deal directly with clientele. I can do most of the general paperwork, documentation, and business running of my company yeah. um, on days that my children are present, mm. as long as I have their curriculum intact. Yep. But those days to actually meet with people, um, I shifted to those off days. So, you know, this is kind of a weirder setup than it was when she was, when COVID wasn't present. Yeah. Um, thank God for schools. Uh, <laughs> but, um, you know, it's it's a process. I mean, we, we usually have a meeting, um, you know, at the end of the week. Okay, this is what next week's going to look like. This is what I have going on. We have a calendar that's shared amongst the whole house of what's, what's coming up and who has what going on and what schedule. And so we know where everyone's right. going and what everyone's doing. And I just plug in my time frames and try to, you know, make is that going to be removed because of your situation? Like we just, we just make it work to the best of our ability. I like that. Um, is it a digital count? Is it something it's digital? Yeah. So, I mean, okay. you know, I'm a big Apple fan, you know, yeah. MacBook, Mac, iMac, iPad, iPhone. Ecosystem. Yeah. Watch, just everything. Yep. Yeah. You know, the watch, the whole nine. So yep. everything that goes on at every time I have it scheduled on my calendars and I'm okay. Everyone knows where I'm going to be. And it's, it's kind of a good system too, for a person who has to meet with people in different locations. Yeah. Um, you know, in my calendar, it says, Hey, look, I'm meeting with so-and-so at this house in Ashland, Mass. You know, okay. I'm going to be there for this amount of time frame. And, you know, we just plug in our, our scheduling. So it makes it easier to know what we're doing is that your best business tool your um your calendar yeah i mean you know beyond the real estate tools themselves yes i think 
the calendar is essential. If you if you don't have a good management of your time yeah. as an entrepreneur, yeah, this is not going to work for you. If you need to be motivated by someone telling you, okay, this is when you take lunch and this is when you yeah. have your break and these are the things that you do, this isn't the type of world that you want to get involved in. You may not get a lunch. Yeah, lunch. <laughs> <laughs> what what's lunch? You know, my lunch is this ginger ale I'm drinking right now. Um, but you know, it it requires you to be, uh, you know, really diligent with what you're doing. Yeah. And so, calendar is essential. Um, a lot of people prepare. I mean, you could do a lot of reading about opening a business. You could um, but it's very different once you get into the nitty gritty. Um, when you started your business. What could you say there's um something that um you did not expect that um that caught you off guard or something that you learned while you were operating? Oh man. Um you, you know, surprisingly, one of the things that I learned um starting out was I expected that when I started my business that everybody was gonna support. Oh especially if I knew. And you know, and that 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 statement, that statement sounds very naive, yeah, but it it's it's an expectation of especially people who are close to you. Yeah. You know, I thought, you know, friends and family members and people who were interested would really come and support my business. <clears throat> but I came to find out really quickly, all of the houses I sold, <clears throat> especially at the beginning of, of my business, were people I didn't know, mm. were people who weren't connected to me, were people who didn't, you know, and it wasn't like my my people weren't my my cousins or sisters or aunts or you know, whomever weren't buying and selling homes. Yeah. Uh, they just weren't using. <laughs> yeah. They were using my services. And so, you know, I remember when one of my um my aunts sold their house. Uh, you know, they sold a really nice house. Uh, and not even a consideration of utilizing <laughs> my services. Um, it, it was a jarring moment because it, you know, real estate has a great deal of rejection. Yeah. I mean, you just have to imagine you know, you can get 500 no's before your first yes. Mm. Uh, you know, one of the, the statistics actually say that most people don't get a sale in their first year of business. You know, and that's just a, wow. a reality. Most people never get a, a real estate sale. Um, it, it was just an amazing experience to deal with people who would ask you questions about real estate, but never actually utilize your service. Wow. And so that was that was actually a hardship dealing with that that fact that family or friends or close people to you weren't interested in actually working with you. Mm -hmm. um, and then I think the next thing that was really jarring was just how much requirements um, the business actually called for. Um, mm -hmm. Being in real estate is not cheap. Um, and that's why I find it's humorous to me when everyone says, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start this side hustle and get into real estate. <laughs> not understanding, you know, just the dues, the fees, the, the responsibility part of certain organizations um, to use certain systems. You know, none of this is cheap. None of this is free. Yep. And so if you're side hustling, you could be out, you know, $3,000 <laughs> up front before even getting your first sale. Mm -hmm. It's jarring yep. for a lot of people. Um, so it, it's something that really, um shifted my my opinions of things of how to make the system actually work um because it's not about in any way shape or form it's not about you um just saying you have a business everybody says they have a business if you're a landscaper and you you want to cut grass and and be a landscaper you could just go make a, a little sign for yourself and say i'm a landscaping company but the difference is, is your system actually going to process something so that you actually make money? Are you spending more on expenditures and not making the income? Um, can you see growth over the years? If you're not seeing any growth, yeah. you know, shut it down, man. Yeah. <laughs> that's real. That's real. Because um, you see a lot of people own businesses but it's is it's generally like a, a one-person business like i'm a plumber and i do some plumbing it's like so you're you don't you're the you're really just working you're really just working um yeah because you're not building a business you're not building something that can 
built that can go on its own. You know, like um, when you have a team, when you have a team of people, you're building something that can, you can pull yourself out. Can you pull yourself out? Can you stop selling houses and still have um, a brokerage that is still bringing in revenue or exactly. outside of that? So um, I think it's something that a lot of people have to think about when they're going into business because you see just in other fields and other fields, you know that um, I had a clothing company. And mm-hmm. people step into it and they jump right into, you know, you know, I want to print my own T-shirts. And then really you just end up becoming a, a printer, a printer for yourself as opposed to a person who's building a company. You know, there's a big difference between a person who's going in their garage and screen printing T-shirts and selling mm-hmm. them from, you know, what Tommy Hilfiger is doing. You know, like you, you don't have to touch every single garment. You know, it's not mm-hmm. about that. It's about building the structure. Yeah, so um exactly. Right. So we talked about organization. Um earlier we talked about your your wife. Um you have three children. I do. And I do. you're 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 right now you're at home with your three children and you're you're trying to balance you're doing that, that um that 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 tight rope walk of balancing oh, being a father and being a business owner. Yes, what sir. is that like? How 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 does Thomas White balance these things? Listen, well, first and foremost, my my children, my wife and my children are the backbone of everything I do. I I love First, I you already know I love love my wife. Mm-hmm. My wife is is awesome. She is the exact thing. She was handpicked by God <laughs> for me mm. um, from the beginning of time. So I I love her to death. She's amazing. Um, she's exactly what I need. And my kids, you know, my kids are my heartstrings. I love them to death. Yeah. I have my oldest daughter and then my two little boys. Yeah. And you know, life is real real good. It is challenging. I, I honestly, this that is probably more challenging than doing the real estate company and doing the business is being able to um, mold and shape and love different personalities that are my children mm. and still be fully engaged and have time um, with my wife. It's, it's so difficult because, yeah. you know, especially in this time, I mean, you don't get any time away from your kids at all yeah. um, to do anything alternative or different, but it, it's just, it's amazing, man. And, you know, I, I know I couldn't do any of this without Michelle, Yeah. Uh, but man, like it's, the kids are amazing. The kids are absolutely amazing. They're, they're smart. They're fun. They're crazy. They're wild. Um, you know, and I have, I have a certain level of OCD, already so you know i'm a very i'm a neat freak as you know i, I hate seeing things out of place so i constantly try to clean up yeah but it's you know just having children six and under is is it's tough it's kids tough. aren't neat freaks <laughs> they're, they're the total opposite of that yeah 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 my, i mean my children are jumping around the floors trying to write on walls and you know trying to get the energy out that they have and that's fine um you know, I think one of the, the biggest transitions in this COVID time is I've, I've become their teacher. So, mm. you know, I have school curriculum for my kids. And, you know, fortunately, the schools that they were sent to actually sent them curriculum for, okay. uh, you know, well, at least the, the older two. The seven-month-year-old, there's, there's no hope for him. He just, you know, feed me and play mm-hmm. with me and whatever. But, you know, the other two, they have curriculum. So, you know, you're trying to, like, do their curriculums and give them time. And then, you know, they're also dealing with the trauma of COVID too. Yeah. You know, and I don't think people really understand your children are really struggling with dealing with this separation and this isolation to just your house and just you. That's right. So, you know, we try to find ways to kind of like make them happy and, you know, take them out and we ride bikes. And, yeah. we, you know, I, I think even this, tonight we had, um, we had one of those pinatas for Cinco de Mayo from yesterday oh. and had them popping the, 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 Pinata. We we try to do different things to keep them um, occupied and established and still enjoying uh, life as much as they should. Yeah. While also trying to you know, balance everything else that we're doing. So yeah, they're they're the priority now. Yeah. Like everything else can be second to them, mm-hmm. but we try our best to make everything work. So 
three kids, a wife, a booming business. Try. <laughs> what does legacy mean to you? Because that's what I hear. Yeah, yeah. I think um, the best one word I can give to legacy is longevity. I think your your legacy lies in who said it before. Your legacy lies in the last person that knows your name, um, you know. And so, what I really want to do and establish is um, two very different types of legacies. I have the legacy that I want to establish in my children, mm. so that you know, I was really blessed to have really good parents growing up. My wife was blessed to have good parents too. Um, and that's a that's a real big fortune for a lot of people because a lot of people don't have that. Mm. But what I've always wanted to establish is um, take all the really good things that I got from my parents and infuse the things that I felt could be even stronger yep. for my kids. So you know, I one thing I always believe in is I'm not raising my kids just to have them established and leave. You know, uh, you know, you know how it is. Your parents say, okay, once you hit 18, you're gone. And yep. I don't want to deal with you. I'm really trying to raise my kids so that they're established and can be on their own and self-sufficient and what have you to then in turn, be able to be a support system for them, for their, my grandchildren. Mm. I want that anyone who comes up under the, the white name for my children are so strong that years later, they'll say that it was Papa, Papa Thomas that established this shift in our family to bring mm. us up to that next place. I love it. Um, so no one ever went back into poverty. Everybody was able to get their degrees. Everyone was able to be financially solvent and do the things that they're supposed to do. Yeah. Um, versus my children and my sons or and my daughters being able to have to go back and reinvent the wheel over and over again. Because, you know, in our, in our culture, um, in our, in our people, mm-hmm. what you find happening all the time is that we're constantly having to reinvent the wheel every generation. Mm. So mama didn't do it and daddy didn't do it. So now I'm trying to reinvent the wheel for myself. I spend all my years trying to do that. Don't establish the good relationship in my children. So then they now are still coming back and trying to pick up the pieces and reinvent the wheel again, rather than standing on the precipice of what I did and being able to take it to the next level. Mm. Um, and so you know, I'm, I'm not saying my children have to be in real estate or be involved in that aspect of life, but I want to make sure that they're positioned so that, you know, by the time my son hits 16, I want him to own his first home. Mm-hmm. Not not 30, not 35, not yeah. 40, like so many people are, are going into. Yeah. I want, you know, hey, look, he owns Triple Decker and he's 16. You know, she, she owns two houses and she's established. Um, so that there's no there's no gap in the ability to grow to the next level because you've already been implanted in those ideas um, starting early. And so we try. We try to find ways, just like every parent, try ways to build and mold them to be prepared for things that we're going to introduce to them. Um, you know, surprisingly, I have my son and daughter sometimes in my office and they see what I'm doing. Mm. Um, my daughter says to me all the time, I'm um, can I join TMW? I said, you're already a member of TMW, baby. You can, you know, this is what you're going to do. And you can do um, virtually anything. And this is where we want you to go. Yeah. Because you want them to be established. And yes. it can't happen if if you're not constantly trying to embed in them things for, for the future. So, yep. yeah. Legacy, legacy is everything. It's the longevity of the future um, that you're passing down. That is beautiful. Um I know you and I know you to be a man of faith and how has your faith come into play when you've built what it is you're building? How have you, how has has faith come in a, yeah. How have you used your faith to um, build your business? You know, I think, my faith shapes everything I do. Okay. Um, you know, so it shapes my commitments. It shapes my integrity to deal with certain things, to deal with certain people, um, to lie or not to lie. Mm. Uh, you know, how it really builds the character of what we're doing. And so, you know, I would say my business is definitely built on um, 
faith that I know that I can take a loss because of integrity and still be all right. Mm. You know, a lot of people don't have that mentality that, you know, this seems like a hustle system. You know, people will lie to you. They'll tell you all kinds of falsehoods. They'll, they'll scheme you. They'll manipulate you. Um, you know, and especially because of the way money is transacted in the businesses that we run, um, you know, people do all kinds of stuff. Um, I try to make sure that my, my faith in what I do, um, as it relates to people, businesses, and the backroom things that we do, mm. um, aligned to what I believe and what I believe God is trying to tell me to do. Um, you know, some people may think it's crazy and some people may not think it's necessary, but I tithe. I tithe off of everything that the company does. Mm. Um, you know, I remember uh, there have been some times where I've had to tithe some checks that would blow, blew my mind. <laughs> you, know, you know, you're, you're, I used to pray and ask God, I said, God, I want to be a $3,000 tither a week. I, I really, mm. That's what I want, God. I want to be a $3,000 tither a week. Now, you know, simple math will tell you, if you want to be a $3,000 tither a week, how much money do you need to be making a week to tithe $3,000? You need to be making 10 times that amount. Yep. Exactly. So I wanted to get $30,000 a week. Mm-hmm. And the first time I had to give a $3,000 tithe, the first time I ever had to do that, blew my mind. It, it, it literally... And I think the moment that came up, um, it was like, okay, God, and I, you, know, you start getting tight on that money. I don't want this money to go. I know what I can do with this money. But it really showed me um, that if you keep your faith and let your business be aligned to your faith, that God will bless it. You know, one of the hardest things to do is to tell people, no, I'm not going to show houses on Sunday because mm. I want to stay committed to, or at least stay committed to the time frame that I, w- I would go to church. Yeah. Um, and some people were like, you're crazy, dude. That's, that's ridiculous. I'm not going to, you need to show houses whenever people call. I'm like, no, man, if, if Sunday service is happening and I'm supposed to be at church for Sunday service, I'm not doing that. I'm yeah. going to commit to the time frame. And what I found was anytime I strayed away from the principles, like the, the inherent principles of, tithing or staying faithful to worship or reading my word mm. or just being committed to God in general, I found that my business would start to deflate or would go in the wrong direction. And every time I stayed consistent, um, my business would increase. And so, you know, maybe it doesn't work for everybody as far as people's opinion, but I can tell you one thing. Every time I put God at the forefront of my business, everything has changed for me in, in the better. Um, and so faith is, faith is the tool that makes it all go because re- rea- reality is in any business, really, whether you're a chef, you're a clothing designer, a real estate broker, um, a landscaper, whatever business you have, why do people use you? Why do people use you? You could say, well, I'm the best landscaper around. I'm the best clothing designer around. I'm the best, um, you know, chef around or the best real estate company around beyond, beyond the skills that you have it, the, the bigger portion is that your faith and what God is doing through you is what's opening up doors that you wouldn't believe. I've had doors open up that I did honestly had no business walking through. Mm. Um, I remember one of the largest deals I ever did was at a time frame that I wasn't even qualified to, to do the deal. Um, and I had to lean so heavily on uh, my broker at the time. I mean, you know, an average, an average real estate transaction could be $400,000, $500,000 yep. as, as the sale of the house. This was like million dollar sale money coming to you. And you had no business being in that room. Mm. You had no business being in that conversation. And the only reason why you were there was because of favor that God, God blessed you with. Mm. So for me, it, it works, man. God, God is working through everything that we do. And the more faith we impose back to him, the greater he blesses us to be able to do more things. So I'm sold out on that idea of faith. I love it. Do you have a scripture? Scripture that you use? Oh, come on now. You're going to hit me with that? I'm just saying. I'm just saying there may be something that you have that you keep in your pocket. I didn't come with my scriptures ready for for, um... (laughs) No, I don't don't have a scripture verse to... um, to throw at anybody i mean if i could just say one verse that's that's helpful for anybody is pray without ceasing i mean first thessalonians uh, five 
17, you know, pray without ceasing. And, and I think that that will get you through a lot of good and bad nights. Um, you know, right now, everyone's dealing with this COVID crisis. I have some friends who told me um, some horror stories. I mean, yeah. people who are doing so much better in so many other arenas who are losing their minds. They've lost millions of dollars. Um, look at every system, even right now as we're talking, um, some of the most high-end uh, entities have gone out of business or gone bankrupt. Yeah. Uh, they just announced on the news yesterday, Neiman Marcus has filed for bankruptcy. Yeah. Um, you know, business business entities, healthcare systems yeah. are in, in disrepair financially because of this crisis. Yeah. You know, this is a time where you have to be able to pray and yeah. believe that you're going to be all right. Oh, no, that, know, how do you survive? How do you survive a famine? Yeah. How do you survive a, a, a tragic event? How do you bounce back from these type of things? What did you learn during this, this crisis? How did it help you? You know, did you slit your throat? Did you, did you, you know, hang yourself or did you get on your knees and thank God and, and move forward? so that you can get to the next place that he wants you to go. Everything's yeah. a lesson. Yeah. And so this is just another lesson in time. How do you use the time also? Uh, I mean, I know we're both home with our families and um, mm-hmm. it has its moments of, um, it, it can be trying, but it's also beautiful. You know, mm-hmm. um, we're, we're able to spend the time that we didn't necessarily have before, especially when you're just transitioning in and out, you know, just picking mm-hmm. up from school and um, dropping off and mom's coming home. We're just doing nighttime. We're just doing dinners. And, you know, now is the time that you can actually have those extended conversations at the dinner table. You can yeah. um, play those games, you know, play that long Monopoly game, play Connect uh-huh. Four, you know, have those Connect Four challenges. And, yes, you know, exactly. And just really enjoy this time and um, mm-hmm. enjoy the beauty that you can find, the slither of beauty that you can find in the moment and um, count your blessings, especially um, people who are in a situation where they're not worried about where their next meal is coming from. Exactly. And, you know, also being courteous and looking out for your neighbor who is worried about where their next meal is exactly. coming from. Um, this was great. This was great. Um, I believe that we got some great information out here for the audience, for them to chew on and to start there. Um, give everybody information where they can find you, um, where they can look you up if they, if, especially if they're in Boston, if they're in um, the Massachusetts, Boston area, um, how could they find you? Yeah. So we're a TMW Realty Group. Um, you can go to our website at www.tmwrealtygroup.com. Yep. Um, there's a bevy of agents that can help you. Um, we're everywhere. You can go on our social media feeds. We are on everything except uh, TikTok, I think at this point. Um, you can also meet us there. If you want to send a message or have any type of questions, you can do so by either calling us at 617-512-6468 or info at tmwrealtygroup.com. One of the agents will be more than happy to talk to you, discuss with you, and we can help you get where you need to go. Perfect, perfect. Thomas, Thomas, this was great. This was great. I I really appreciate you doing this with me. um, Being here. Thank you. Thank you for being here on the podcast. Um, I believe this is going to really be helpful for a lot of people. Um, I'm going to continue doing some things like this with some other um, some other great minds. Um, yes, once sir. again, I'm Justin Brandon. This was Thomas White, and um, this was the Art of Man podcast experience. And we're out. Yes,